Welcome to the 160th episode of the Young Turps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking about the commitment of four-star defensive tackle Marcus Bradley, a huge gut for Coach Loxley and his staff. And Jordan and I finally get to an off-season topic. We will be discussing the Terps' most influential players in the past decade for football, basketball, and I'll throw out a lacrosse player or two. Uh, Jordan will not throw out a lacrosse player or two. No, lacrosse ain't my game, but I know Mason had hit lacrosse if we're talking about influential athletes, because this is your sport. I'm sure you have something to say on this topic. Yes, it is, and before we get to the Terrapin Rundown, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small engine, or setting up a street festival, all of your post-coronavirus party needs, Allied's got you covered. They have the tents, chairs, linens, shine, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today. Contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Allied, a locally owned small business here in the great state of Maryland, and one that surely cannot wait for this coronavirus to be over because they are going to be booming after it. Hope so. Um, so on the Terrapin Rundown, we have no non-rep report today. That is really a sign of the times, isn't it, Mason? Uh, yes, it is. This would be kind of getting into that end of lacrosse season. First round probably coming up this uh, Mother's Day weekend, as always. Very much bothered my mother, but... Hey, this year, at least we don't have to worry about that one. Yeah, uh, thankfully we don't have to deal with that again. Um, so first on our list, Keandre Jones, the Maryland offense, or sorry, the Maryland outside linebacker, formerly of Ohio State, has signed as undrafted free agent with the Chicago Bears. He will compete alongside ex-Terp Josh Woods, who despite only being one year apart, did not play together. Yeah, Keandre coming in from Ohio State, uh, kind of missed Josh Woods. Could have been here, but... Uh... You know, we can start to go back and look at all the players that uh, could have been here. Yeah, could have been here if, if Coach Loxley was the coach. Uh, Maryland football defensive back transfer, Fofi Bazzi from Quince Orchard High School, uh, officially announced that he will be moving on from the program and heading over to uh, Kent State in Ohio. Yeah, Mason, and I have a little tidbit here, though. i got to say Fofi Bazzi, I'm going to be sad to see him go, strictly because he was one of my favorite names on the team. Um, but... How many bowl games has Kent State been to in their entire run as a college football program, Mason? How'd you look this up? Eight. You're off by actually a significant amount. Lower or higher? Lower. Two? Three. Okay. One of which was a bowl game in the 50s against Delaware, which they won. But a little interesting tidbit. One of the least successful programs in FBS history. The Terps added a D3 quarterback... Evan Lewandowski of Wisconsin Lacoste will be a preferred walk-on with the Terps in 2021. Uh, they're taking a flyer on this guy, and I, I honestly, I love the idea. They're bringing in a quarterback into the room that's played at the college level, it's thrown quite a few touchdowns, threw some interceptions. Uh, the stats aren't off the board, but he can contribute, and I think that if things go horribly wrong, at least they've added another quarterback and one with college experience. Yeah, he was a uh, first-team all-conference in what I believe is the Wisconsin State Intercollegiate Conference. Uh... Long story on how I know that, but um, I'm pretty sure it's what it is. Look, they only have two quarterbacks going into the uh, room next year, and this kid's not going to play next year. He's not going to get a waiver, almost certainly. Um, so 
always good to get another mind in the room, I guess. Yeah, and of course the transfer rules up for debate. Uh, I, I'm not actually sure if you're right. D3 to D1, you might be able to play the next season. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. I'm not I think that's a ridiculous idea. rule if it is one. I think if you move up, you should be able to um, have the same rules as if you move down. You get a waiver if you move down? If you move down? Yeah. If you go from FBS to FCS, you can play the next season. No, you can't. As as an NDSU um, student, I know this. You cannot. You used to be able to. Well, we had a kid from Iowa State who couldn't play. had to sit out a year. Josh Portis played the next year, though. He might get a waiver. I don't think so. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I know. But I know for a fact. <laughs> the other Maryland guy, Zach Kerr, played the next season. Uh, and it could be grad transfers. I don't know how there, this was. This is pre-grad transfer. I don't know, Mason. I'm just telling you what I know what happened. All right. The NCAA also has a new likeness rule, Jordan. More on that. Uh, well, yes. Um, as I'm sure most of you know, as college football fans, um, the NCAA will now allow players to profit out their likeness, which has been a long time coming. Um, it's been stated several times that this came suspiciously close to the, N to the uh, G League poaching three players that were going to college basketball. Um, and as always, NCAA has made this supposedly positive move look as bad as possible by just acting the way they tend to act. Um, but I think this is a good thing. We don't know anything about it yet, really, other than it's happening. But from what I understand about college athletics from watching, especially the documentary that came out recently, I forget what's called, The Scheme on HBO, there's already player money flying around college athletics illicitly. At least get regulated out in the open in a little bit. It can't be that bad a thing. I also think it's I think it is fundamentally un-American that you can't profit off your own face if you're going playing if you're playing college sports. I think that is a fundamental problem. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the FBI. This isn't um, some secret thing. Uh, these players are out in the public. It's not some place where you're a hidden figure. Um, it, it, you're right. It needs to be allowed, and and it should be allowed. And I don't know how they've gotten away with it for so long, but they have. And, yeah, there's more on that everywhere, so we're not going to talk about it for too much longer until there's really official rules about it. Uh, the Terps have made some recruiting news on both uh, the basketball court and the football field. On the hoop side, the Terps made the final four of top 50 wing Benny Williams of St. Andrews. Yeah, you can't uh, say enough about the importance of getting this kid. Benny Williams is a highly regarded recruit, 6'8", uh, small forward. I love the size on him. And Maryland desperately needs a win. Especially in the DMV. Yeah, because they just lost out on big man. Uh, That's Adam Santago, like going to UConn um, from New York area. This was another. This was even more important though, because he was going to be a big man that could play this season. Yeah, this was one of those where I, I I'm a bit lost on this one, Jordan. Uh, just a huge loss for the Terps. I mean, it's just it, it's starting to pile up, and and it really has. It had before this. And, and it has since, but this is ridiculous. I mean, they can't get any of these guys. No, they can't. It's kind of it is ridiculous. Uh, the Terps also lost, or they didn't even try for. Um, can't remember the kid's name now, but the uh, um, All ACC center from Wake, who's going to Kentucky. Again, not that you necessarily would have won, but like an All ACC center, you couldn't have asked for a better player, and they didn't even try to get him. I don't understand that one. Yeah, they lost out on him too. Uh, on the football field, there's a lot of positive news. So the Terps. Uh, made the top two of Tampa area athlete Charles Montgomery. The four-star has the Terps alongside Florida as his finalist. He will be committing at the end of the month. Five-star quarterback Caleb Williams of Gonzaga announced that 
Uh, Maryland made his top three alongside LSU and Oklahoma. This eliminates Clemson and uh, the hated Penn State Nittany Lions from contention. It is worth noting that LSU has just taken a four-star quarterback commit uh, soon after Williams announced, and just like Penn State, that is starting to lean them out of it, but uh, Caleb had some words of his own on that one that it doesn't. And then finally, the Terps will land, or one more top three. The Terps make the top three of uh, St. Francis linebacker Aaron Willis. He will be announcing on May 10th between Tennessee, the Terps, and I believe it's Alabama, Jordan. Yeah, I know he's considered a Bama lean, but... No, he's not. Tennessee oh, not. lean now. Oh, really? That kind of makes me give, gives me some optimism now. Aaron Willis is a... I'm not sure how much about the football side because I haven't seen him, but I've seen him, a couple videos of him working out. He is an amazing athlete. Yeah, and him, you're starting to become a building a linebacking core here. Uh, if they can get Dumas Johnson also from St. Francis, they can land that one. The Terps are really hot on him. And Greg Penn, an inside linebacker from uh, DeMatha. Uh, there you go. There's three top-tier linebacker recruits to go along with Ruben Hippolyte, uh, Cortez Andrews. The Terps have been doing a lot of work on the inside linebacker side, too. Uh, there's a really bright future for this defense. And, and one another piece of that is the Terps landing QO's defensive lineman, Marcus Bradley. Uh, Bradley, a four-star, the third four-star in the class, the third defensive lineman four-star for this class. Uh, Michael Oxley and John Hoke keyed in on it, and they're delivering on that. Now, Taz Johnson, Damian Robinson, and Marcus Bradley, there's some serious Big Ten talent there. Absolutely, and this is the area of the team that I think we've really been concerned about is – Offensively, yeah, we could use a better offensive line, could use some more talent, but it wasn't a huge thing. Defensively is where we're getting our asses beaten, and I'm sorry for the language there, but that's really what it is. Like, we have just been outclassed completely up front. Uh, yeah, the defensive backfield needs some work, but I think the pressing need for this team has been the front seven for years now. Yeah, and I'm focusing in here, and we're going to have an article up on TurfTalk.com uh, coming up in the next few days, uh, focusing in on every defensive line recruit since the Turf joined the Big Ten. And it's a really interesting piece that I've worked co-written with one of our interns, and um, it it's kind of a little bit of a downer article when everything's been going up for the Terps, but you can see through Austin Fontaine, Cam Spence, uh, even some of the guys recently that uh, I'm going to say their careers aren't over, but I mean, Key Ryan Howard goes in there with those guys, all American players that are three high three. Four and even Cam Spence at a time was rated a five-star uh, prospect. They've been right up there with these guys. It's time for this team to d deliver on what they have. And when you look at it in, in the grand scheme, this is, I think, the first time when they're bringing in this kind of talent where they have other guys like uh, Tank Booker that they added last year. Zangelo Shockey, who we didn't even mention, another big get in defensive line. Yeah, but he's a freshman. I'm talking about guys that, oh, can, okay, my bad. that can allow what these kids need, and that's time to develop. Time to lift weights, get bigger, get stronger. You're throwing freshmen out there. That's a career curse. Yeah. Now you're looking at, you know, Tyler Baylor in there. And these JUCO guys kind of stopgap players. They needed this. This is that next wave. This is your Tiva. The best is ahead. Because these guys aren't going to come in. They're not going to make a huge difference. Maybe Robinson will because he's a much quicker end player. But we're finally getting what we need. And it's players that we're hoping can play in front of them. And time for these guys to develop. And in two, you know, you almost want to say three years at best case scenario. These guys are going to be seeing the field and ready to play and, and developed under 
a staff that's starting to look pretty good. Well, uh, I can't give Payne any better than that. Before we dive into our offseason topic here, Mason, I have one question to ask you because I have to ask it every time we mention him. Yeah. Is Caleb Williams coming to Maryland? I think so. I think the Terps are starting to look better here. And I just think it. He's got a feeling. I, I just do, and I think the feeling is not only around me. It's been around quite a few other people. Caleb Williams is coming to Maryland. And I have one other question for you, actually. Yeah. Is Caleb Williams, because I feel like we're talking about this all the time, is he the biggest recruit in Maryland sports history, as far as we know? I think he would be. But let's not sell ourselves short on Lance Lejean. I mean, he can play himself some football. I think we all saw that uh, this past season. He's not coming back for year two. He's probably going to have the keys to the car. There's a lot left to play out here. One of which is what Oklahoma looks like this season. If Spencer Radler is any good. If Radler's good, then, I mean, that's a hard sell for Caleb Williams. Just the same thing as Lejean, though. I mean, we've seen Spencer Radler. Uh, we've seen players like him at Oklahoma. You know, I always mention the one, the kid that plays for West Virginia now. There's other ones. They've recruited over kids. They've picked up transfers. This is not a done deal, though it's done. And I think that this is going to be a long-term fight for uh, the Terps in Oklahoma, even though it's been stated that Caleb wants to commit before his first uh, snap of the senior season. Yeah, in his SI blog, which I don't know how he has, by the way. Like, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I just don't understand that the NCAA part of that. Um, but he blogs in SI, and he said he wants to commit in, in um, mid-August before his um, high school, his senior year of high school starts. Yeah, and hopefully he'll get a chance to play that senior year of high school. That's kind of up in the air, too. And that might stop the whole th- whole process, because I think part of that is he doesn't want to play and have to worry about, you know, the college decision that's looming. Yeah. And I think that if he doesn't have to play, if there is no season for him to play, uh, I think that can factor in. Well, that, but that, that's a conversation for another that's day. That's a whole other set of complications. Um, so our topic today, Mason, and our first off-season topic in God knows how long, is who is the most influential athlete in the football field, basketball court, and the cross field for you? I'll let you go first, Mason. Who is your number one most influential athlete on the football field this decade? It has to be Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's done it all for Maryland. He's been the Terps' only really big name in the NFL in this past 10 years. Uh, Vernon Davis, maybe at the beginning uh, of these of the 2010s, was a big deal. But he sold Maryland. You know, and with Coach Loxley coming back now, he's a huge proponent of the Maryland brand, of what Michael Loxley can put you in, what kind of situation uh, you will be in if you trust in Maryland and if you trust in the movement and the founders and the best is ahead. And that that's Stefan Diggs, you know. You look at, and I was kind of breaking this down for myself the other day, the founder isn't really Stefan Diggs. The, the founder is going to be Rakim Jarrett if this thing works out. He is on pace, if this, you know, goes the right way, of being those first players at the U. You know, those first guys that trusted in the program. But Stefan Diggs is that guy. He's the example. Until Rakim or anybody else or Rakim, I'm really unclear about how you're actually supposed to say his name. Uh, I think Aloxy says it different than most people. But, um, yeah, I digress. Um, he, Stefan Diggs, will be used as the example to there's someone next. 
Now, it could be Jarrett. We could look back on this, and I think that might be Jordan's athlete as he's giving me a face here. But you're at the crossroads, and, and right now it's stuff on digs, but give me 10 years and it could be somebody different. Oh, well, as you kind of guessed, Mason, I was going to say Rack Jarrett because, and yeah, we don't know how the story's going to end here, but right now it looks like he, it's almost already undeniable that he changed the course of this recruiting class at the very least. And it could expand, especially if we get Caleb Williams and other guys that are supposed to come with him. It could expand that he changed the course of this program for the better for years to come. And yeah, we can't say that really yet because he didn't, he didn't play a down for Maryland. He only became a turp in like the last week of um, the, the decade. But, but even then, I feel like by extension you're saying Stefan Diggs because Stefan Diggs plays such a big part of recruiting rack. Like... Rock, however you want to, however it's actually pronounced. Um, but if it's not Stefan Diggs, I'm going to say Rock Jarrett. I could also throw Yak and Gakwe, who from DC, you know, had a great pro career, had a great career at Maryland, and also you could say helped found the first movement. But I got to go with Stefan Diggs or Rock Jarrett. Well, it's Rock Jarrett, depending on how the rest of this turns out. Yeah, and I think that's why this conversation. Is so kind of up in the air. It's not over. I mean, Jarrett, given that he's going to play in the 2020s, not the 2010s, I think it just has to be Stefan, if not Vernon Davis, another name you could throw out there. Uh, on the basketball court, um, it gets a little bit more interesting, I think. You got more options to choose from. For me, this wasn't easy for me, but I have to say Mellow Trimble. I mean, Mellow from Upper Marlboro really reinvigorate this program when it desperately needed a shot in the arm. You know, we were spiraling under Turgeon, and Mello comes in, and he is just a transcendent figure, really, in the state, you could almost say. Like, I knew kids whose, like, younger brothers had Mello Trimble star haircuts. I know a lot of people who actually named their fishes after Mello. Like, he be, was a figure in the DMV. He got a shout-out in the Wale song um, from another Maryland native. Like, he was just, he was the guy, and he still kind of is. And I know Anthony Cowens overshadowed a lot of what he did, because in a lot of ways Anthony Cowens was more successful than Melo. But for me, Melo is like, when I think of a Trojan athlete, I actually got to think about that. I was going to say I think of Melo, but I might be Ant now. But still, he's up there, and I don't understand why his jersey's not honored at Xfinity Center. I think it really should be. He was All-American his freshman season. Um, but Melo... Really, really reinvigorate this program almost single-handedly. I feel like he's the savior. He's the second Walt Williams. He's the savior of the program. I don't know about all that. Uh, you're giving me a look that says you agree, you're going to disagree with me violently here. The team was trending downwards. The program was trending downwards. The last year, Gary Williams wasn't too good. the The years of Mark Turgeon weren't very good before it started. And Mel Trimble stepped in. He saved this program. He made a commitment to this university and and to Mark Turgeon and his time here at Maryland that not a lot of players would have made. I mean, this was not a popular place to go. Now, it still really isn't from players in this area. But Mellow Trimble came in and invigorated Maryland. Yeah, he really did. He gave the program a huge shot in the arm. And something I didn't consider until I read an article by Roman Stubbs, who uh, wrote for Maryland for the Post at the time, was that he came back after his freshman season, which really, in the long run, didn't help his pro career. But he did it because he thought Maryland could win a championship if he stayed. And that's something that I have yet to see another pro athlete do at any other school, is come back because they thought they could win. I can't think of one. He, he sacrificed his own pro prospects because he thought he could help the team win a championship. You don't see any of the guys do that at Kansas or Kentucky or anywhere else. He made that commitment on his own. 
Well, Devontae Graham and Frank Mason can sway those commitments. I don't think Frank Mason was really a prospect for a senior season like that. Um, but regardless, it's still a big thing to do, and it's still something you don't see very often. And he did that, and he didn't have to. He really didn't have to. If he just left, no one would have blamed him. But he came back, and he – yeah, it didn't go as well as he hoped, but that's still the best season we've had since 2003. And that does not happen if Melo doesn't stay there. Yeah, and, and it is hard to say it's not Melo Trimble, but I'll go for another guy uh, just in the spirit of that. I'll go for I'll go for Des Wells. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Uh, Des Wells, well, didn't go great his f- first year at Maryland. He was right there with Melo Trimble. He had the passion for Maryland. It's kind of hard in my head in some ways to differentiate between the passion that Des Wells had as and the ones that Bruno showed. They're very much the same in my head. And I think that Dez just being first, Dez being a player that Mark Turgeon took a chance on that kind of legitimized uh, Mark Turgeon being able to go out and find players that it didn't necessarily didn't work out for the first time. Uh, you go on that list to Rashid Suleiman, uh, Robert Carter. Evan Smotrich. Evan Smotrich. Um, Dez w- just had that passion for Maryland. And everybody saw him as this electric player that was part of this. He maybe not wasn't the one playing the first fiddle. He was definitely the guy playing the second one. When Mello was there, at least. Yeah, when Mello, well, when Mello was there, his whole career really, his years before that were not too good. Uh, he was still the best player on the team. I see what you're saying. I, I really think Alex Led might have been better than him, but okay. Regardless, um, he turned out to be that electrifying player that every team needs. You know, he made that dunk. He's the one that scored uh, against Northwestern to win that game at the Xfinity Center at the buzzer. He made plays that were huge, and when the team needed it, he was their leader. And I think that's something important, and I think that's something that might even be a bit overlooked with how much hype Melo Trimble got, is Des Wells was right there. That's a fair point. That really is a good point. And, and... He wasn't able to play his position the entire time. He had to be the backup point guard, too. That's also fair. Um, the, I'm still single with Melo, though. Des Wells does have a really good, strong case that you mentioned it, Mason. You can't, we can't do this like, without shining Anthony Cowan, though. You really can't. No, Anthony Cowan is only not the most influential. But he's the best. Because, well, that one's kind of up for debate, too. But anyway. Um, Anthony Cowan is an either of our guy. Because Anthony Cowan was handed this. When there are founders, the founders are always the most important. Whether Anthony Cowan was to go on to the Final Four or not this year, I'm still picking Melo Trimble if you didn't. You know, I'm still saying guys like Des Wells is why this happened. They started it. They made the path for Anthony Cowan and Kevin Herter and Bruno and Jalen Smith to take. Even though all those guys might be better than both Melo and Des Wells. It is... Those are the guys that, and I know Maryland took a chance on Des Wells, but those are the guys that set the stage for this era that's been fairly successful for this team and for this program. And regardless, they're a top three team in the last ten years. Yeah, that that is true. And that was a more stirring debate than I thought we'd have, actually, Mason. Um, lacrosse, I'm just going to say one guy just to throw it out there because I do have sort of an opinion, is I'd say Matt Rambo because he's the... Well, that- Go ahead and take it. Okay, okay, go. Let it rip then, Mason. I mean, it's got to be Matt Rambo. Matt Rambo brought Maryland his championship, or their championship. He led that team. 
And and he's just a John Tillman story, a guy that came in, um, gotten himself in a little bit of trouble. I don't think many people remember that one. And he just played his game. He is the game developed. He became a better player even though he was a top prospect or the top prospect coming in. And over his four years, Matt Rambo became better, and he became a John Tillman player. And I think that... What, every- is that, what does that mean for those who don't follow me on the cross like you do? It, it's a group of people that, in my opinion, don't really have that classic lax bro attitude. They have a hard work attitude. They're they're proud of their craft and doing things right and doing things the way that their coach wants it. And the way their coach wants it is something that coaches in all sports aspire to be. John Tillman has, is one of the most successful coaches in all of collegiate sports at the moment and all of sports at the moment. I mean, his teams year in and year out are in quarterfinals and Final Four games and championship games, and they won a championship. And Matt Rambo's just, he's the example of those. And there are some great players like uh, Connor Kelly, Jesse Bernhardt, Jared Bernhardt now uh, to wear this Maryland uniform. And they got some ones coming up like Bubba Ferriman and Logan Wisnowskis that are that are scoring at all kind of kinds of rates and some crazy good defensive players. Uh, like Matt Dunn, and I mean, if you look at their goalies, Dan Morris, uh, Kyle Barnlore, and Nico Amato, those players are also great. But Matt Rambo, he is trending towards being the next great lacrosse player. I mean, he's already the points leader in the PLL. He scored the game-winning goal and game-tying goals in the PLL championship. Matt Rambo has the opportunity to be one of the founders of lacrosse uh making his boom, really big boom in America. And and lacrosse got center stage today in national news. And Matt Rambo's going to be on NBC, and he's going to be scoring goals, and, and he's repping always that he's a Maryland Terrapin. Well, I was going to try to do a counter-argument for somebody else, but I, I don't think I can now. It kind of beat me. It really beat me down on that one. I'm just Okay, well, go ahead. Well, and just a quick thing. You can't really point to one of these guys. I mean, that's part of their culture. Uh, Con Heacock was a huge... Huge figure in Maryland lacrosse. Uh, Dylan Maltz, Connor Kelly. I mean, those guys that won that championship, a lot of them are right up there. Even shout out Timmy Rotans, man. Timmy Rotans was... Timmy Rotans was a good player. He's not one of the DMC players. He's not one of... He's not a number one jersey-wearing player. All right, fair enough. I'll just th- do one more question to pose to you. I'll answer it myself. Who's your favorite athlete? Of the last in Maryland athlete, the last decade. Does he need to pick one? It has to be Matt Rambo. I mean, lacrosse is a sport that I played, uh, and I just love the, I love Matt Rambo's attitude. It's about hard work. He has a lot of fun doing what he does, and he's just great at it. I mean, his craft is he's continued to develop as he's become a pro player. He's he's ten times what he was, as Bruce loves to point out, when he was at Maryland. But he led that team to that point. He earned his moment when he won that championship. And it was it was through hard work and through sacrifice, and, and he did it while having a lot of fun. Well, if I had to pick one, it would be Greer's Vasquez if I could pick him, but he only played three months this decade. Um, I can't feel like I can't really do that. I'm going to pick two for the same reason. I'm going to pick Varun Rahm and Jonathan Graham. And they both are similar in some ways. Uh, Jonathan Graham obviously didn't play his whole career, apparently, but his first two seasons at Penn State, which is still weird to me. But... They are both in that what people call the Gary Williams mold. They both didn't play a ton. They both were kind of weird fits in some ways. I don't know why Jonathan Graham always felt like such an odd fit at Maryland, especially since his daddy was such a big figure here, but it kind of, he always did to me. And they both made impacts. 
Uh, Rune Rahm, of course, was known for his crazy defense. He became an absolute fan favorite. Jonathan Graham was just that hard nose. He's what Maryland basketball... I sound like my dad. I really do. Um, he's, he's what Maryland basketball used to be, was guys like that. Guys who flew into the radar, worked hard, and got in the floor when they could, made impacts when they could. They rebound, he rebounded hard. They both were kind of what I always grew up with Maryland basketball, was this idea of guys like that. And... No, it's not as a, he's not as a sexiest player as Matt Rambo is. Matt Rambo, of course, winning the tour of time, winning a championship. But, look, I'm a basketball guy. I've always been a Maryland basketball guy. And those are the type of guys that I still wish Maryland basketball would recruit. They're the dogs that we always talk about. The Maryland basketball doesn't seem to have anymore. And I'm not saying the guys we have now are bad. I mean, Jalen Smith, Anthony Cowan, Darryl Morsell kind of has a piece of that in him. They're great players, but they don't have that same passion and fire that I saw out of those two guys. At least I did. And I think that really says something about the type of person and athlete that you are. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna come to a program that might be better than you, but you're still gonna work your way into the floor, I think there's just something special about that. And there is, and, and that was very well put, Jordan. Uh, I couldn't have said that one better myself. Those two guys are, they're standout players. And and Varun Ram, unlike Jonathan Graham, really had his moment in March Madness when he knocked the ball away that, from the Valpo player. Mm -hmm. There's a picture, or a picture of that game on our wall in front of us here, um, but that moment where he made that steal, maybe like in my top five Maryland moments of all time. Yeah, that was a great moment, and you know our Terps, that, that those guys that we just mentioned, are really embodied a few things. They embody really hardworking players. I know Rambo might have been a little bit more flashy than your two guys, but hard work made that happen, and I think that's. That's something that in sports kind of gets overshadowed. Everyone wants to see all these flashy athletes that can, you know, rain in threes. But it, it's about, for a lot of these teams, the grit guys, the uh, guys that set the examples for the rest of the team. And, and I think those guys are really important. And, and well, I guess we need both some of them both on the football field, especially on the football field and on the basketball court. Well, good podcast, Mason. Yeah, I like doing this. We finally got to these topics, and, and we're going to have more of them unless there's breaking news coming in the next week. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors for sticking with us through this time. Viner Four Gates in Rockville for all of your business, IT needs, work from home systems, all that stuff. Viner Four Gates has you covered. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals for all of your post-coronavirus party needs. Allied's got you covered. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, we'd like to thank you guys, our listeners, to keep this thing going and really keep Jordan and I uh, going here through some tough times without sports. Uh, we appreciate you all for listening. And as always, as I always wrap it up, thanks for listening.